people what I'm fixing to tell you. When Brother Motes asked me Sunday uh, to teach, they asked me what my schedule was like, and I said, I'm not real sure because my crazy work schedule, I don't get till the night before I go to work. So I didn't know what I was going to be doing today. I got my schedule Tuesday evening and found out I'd be getting off at 6 o'clock this evening. Uh, it kind of upset me because I got to work. <laughs> I had to be here to, to teach. I don't mind working. So Monday morning, I'm like, okay, what am I gonna, what am I gonna prepare? What am I gonna prepare? And uh, I made a phone call, and uh, my go-to guy called Brother Scruggs. I love Brother Scruggs, and uh, I started talking to uh, Brother Scruggs about something I'd talked to Brother Justin and Brother Preston about how in uh, Genesis, Abraham took Isaac up to the mountain to sacrifice. And uh, Isaac asked him, where's the, where's the sacrifice? And here's the wood, here's the fire, where's the sacrifice? And something stuck out. Abraham told Isaac, God will prepare himself a sacrifice. Little did Abraham know he was prophesying about Calvary. Because he didn't say God will provide for himself he said, God revived himself. And lo and behold, as ministers do, I started preaching to Brother Scruggs while driving a bus. Amen. And Brother Scruggs is laughing at me when I'm preaching to him. And uh, I'm like, well, why are you laughing? He goes, have you wrote it down? I'm like, well, I got it and stored it in the memory, and I wrote some stuff down. And he goes, good, because I think you got what you need to teach. I've been filling your spirit. So lo and behold, while I'm preaching at a preacher, I'm preaching my message. Which, by the way, that verse is not in my message, so don't think I'm going there. Amen. So I'm getting my schedule, and I'm feeling a little upset, trying to hurry as quick as I can. Maybe I actually have some time off here, some time off there. Get, if he gets done with his appointment early, I can leave early. I get a text message. Uh, actually, I get, got home about 4.30 this afternoon, so... God, did something had happened. I get a text message from Brother Preston saying, Hey, bud, I'm excited to hear your message tonight. I've been praying for you. He did not know my schedule. God knew my schedule. I believe God sent Brother Preston to pray for me, and things worked right to where I could get off in time so I wouldn't have to rush. Because I'd already texted Brother Justin Tuesday night and told him to be ready. I was getting off at 6, and I may not be here. So he was prepared, you're going to have to hold it. <laughs> and I don't think he minds. Amen. So there's my testimony. God is great. God is a great God. He takes care of those who trust and love him. Amen. Well, Sunday, y'all had a porterhouse steak from Brother Motes. It was a good message Sunday. Amen. Very timely and fit in. Tonight, I hope you like ramen noodles. Because there comes a lot in the package, and I got a lot to give. Amen. Please forgive me ahead of time. I do have a lot of scripture uh, initially. I do apologize. I, I'll try to read it quick so you're not standing too long, but I don't want to stumble over anything and miss it. Uh, I was trying to find a cutoff place, and it was hard to do because it's all relevant. Amen. If you would, uh, stand for the reading of God's Word. It'll be in Exodus chapter 25, beginning at verse 10. 
And it says, And they shall make an ark of shittim wood. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. Within and without shall they overlay it, and shalt make upon it a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt cast four rings of gold for it, and put them in the four corners thereof. And two rings shall be in the one side of it, and two rings in the other side of it. And thou shalt make staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put the staves into the rings by the sides of the ark, that the ark may be borne with them. The staves shall be in the rings of the ark, they shall not be taken from it. And thou shalt put into the ark the testimony which I shall give thee. And thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. Thank God for mercy. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold. Of beaten work shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat. And make one cherub on the one end and the other cherub on the other end. Even of the mercy seat shall ye make the cherubs on the two ends thereof. And the cherubim shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings. And their faces shall look one to another. Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark. And in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony of all these things which I give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. Thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit of breadth thereof, and the cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, and make thereunto a crown of gold round about it. And thou shalt make unto it a border of an hand breadth round about, and thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof round about. And thou shalt make it for four rings of gold, and put the rings into the four corners that are on the four feet thereof. Over against the border shall the rings be for the places of the staves to bear the table. And thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold, that the table may be borne with them. And thou shalt make the dishes thereof, and spoons thereof, and covers thereof, and bowls thereof, to cover withal of pure gold shalt thou make them. And thou shalt sat upon the table showbread before me alway. And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work shall the candlestick be made. His shaft and his branches, his bowls, his knops, and his flowers shall be of the same. And six branches shall come out of the sides of it. Three branches of the candlestick out of the one side and three branches of the candlestick out of the other side. Amen. If anybody's ever seen a picture of, of a menorah, that's what it is. Three bowls made into like almonds with a knop and a flower in one branch, and three bowls made like almonds in the other branch, with a knop and a flower, so in the six branches come out of the candlestick. And in the candlestick shall be four bowls made unto like almonds, 
with their knops and their flowers. And there shall be a knop under two branches of the same, and a knop under two branches of the same, and a knop under two branches of the same, according to the six branches that proceed out of the candlestick. Their knops and their branches shall be of the same, and it shall be one beaten work of pure gold. And thou shalt make the seven lamps thereof, and they shall light the lamps thereof, that they may give light over against it. And the tongs thereof, and the snuff dishes thereof, shall be of pure gold. And of talent of pure gold he shall make it, with all these vessels. And look that thou make them after their pattern, which was showed in the mount. Turning your attention to Hebrews, a little one more uh, reading, Hebrews chapter 9. Amen. It says, Then verily the first covenant also had ordinances of divine service. I'm sorry, I'm at verse 1. And a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. We know the table of the covenant to be the Ten Commandments. And over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat, of which we can, cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present, in which we offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that day the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks, and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. Verse 11, But Christ, being come an high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Amen. Thank you for standing for the lengthy reading. Amen. By the reading, I believe... Um, that you can kind of guess what the subject matter is. Uh, I will be doing a lesson about the tabernacle, uh, but the not in the traditional sense of where we're going to just stick with the tabernacle. I've titled this message, Salvation from the Tabernacle to Pentecost. Amen. Brother Press, can you go ahead and get that dry race board, please? Thank you. Amen. Amen. He's getting a, I got a, I drew the, the tabernacle. So it's not the scale, I apologize. 
I don't have that much room. Uh, I got to looking uh, online and uh, how big was the tabernacle, and there's guesstimations that the tabernacle, uh, if if you look at a football field, it's 100 yards from end to end, uh, it took up about half, about 50 yards was, uh, was the length of the tabernacle. Can everybody see that okay? Uh, no, I think you're good. Just back it up just a little bit so I can get in front of it. That's good. I want to make sure everybody can see that okay. And Y'all see it okay? If not, y'all feel free to move. Because <laughs> if I move it over here, then y'all won't be able to see it. If I move it over here, then they won't be able to see it. Y'all can all shift. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I just put what was inside their tabernacle. Uh, the outside of the tabernacle has specifications as well. It is important. Uh, I'm not going to go through all that. Uh, there was all kinds of skins and colors and certain heights and certain widths. and there, There's a lot. Exodus 25 uh, is the, the bulk of it. There's a lot there. Uh, feel free to, I encourage you to read it. Amen. To get you in the word. Amen. On the outer court, which was it basically uh, the... The Old Testament, things in the Old Testament are type and shadows of the New Testament for things to come, as in the tabernacle. Uh, had, a diff- had a couple different uh, significant uh, uh, that were coming. The outer court, anyone could be into the, uh, anyone could be in the outer court. And that would be this area right here around the altar of sacrifice. Uh, round about the tent, the tabernacle, it was designed that when the cloud moved, the pillar of cloud uh, in the desert moved, pack up, they can move it. It stopped, they put it back down. It was easily packed up and moved. Amen. And you had the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, they were, I wrote that down. In number, in Numbers chapter two, it talks about the twelve tribes that were camped around about on the east side, which would have been all the tabernacle would have been facing this way. On the east side, this would be the east side down here. Uh, the east side had three camps: uh, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun camped on the east side. On the south side was Reuben, Simeon, and Gad. On the north west side was Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin. And on the north side was Dan, Asher, and Naphtali. Naphtali. Names, let me tell you. Uh, they camped around about it. Uh, each individual, each camp had their own person in charge of the three camps. And those signified something, which I'll get into a little bit later. Uh, there was a significance of who camped where. This pulpit is not big enough. Is it, Brother Justin? <laughs> Amen. Got more paperwork than I'd have. Uh, you know what? I was somebody talking about the camp. I'll go ahead and get into that. Uh, there's a hint in the book of Numbers reveals why Moses recorded the census of the people in such great detail. And I found this online about the incense of the camp of Israel. Uh, man is very visual. You know, we have to be able to see it, hold on to it, to to get a good grasp. You can't, 
if you tell me something, you know, you go down here to 2022, take a ride, I got to see it. There'll be a house and show me the house. I see it, then I can find it again. Amen. And so God just graciously given patterns, types, signs, and symbols to help us see and understand what he wants us to know. In the wilderness, the Israelites were led by a cloud. Pillar of cloud by day, fire by night. When the cloud moved, they moved. And when the cloud came to rest, they pitched their tents around the tabernacle and rested, all in accordance with the God's prescriptive pattern. The Levites camped around about the tabernacle, and the remaining tribes were divided into three camps. Each camp consisted of three tribes, with one being the lead tribe serving as an ensign or standard by which they were identified. The lead tribes were Ephraim on the west, Judah on the east, Reuben on the south, and Dan on the north. The ensigns of these camps were chosen by God, and they prophetically point to Jesus. Ephraim on the west side was given the ensign of an ox, an animal of service and submission, yet strong and able to bear a load. Isn't Jesus the perfect example of service and submission? Be yet he's strong enough to bear the load. Dan on the north was represented by an eagle. On the south side, Reuben's ensign was a man and Judah. <laughs> on the east was a lion. Each ensign represents something about Jesus' person and or his work. The ox represents Jesus' submission to God and service to man. Jesus came to minister according to his Father's will, and he alone was strong enough to bear the weight of man's sin. The eagle represents the swift judgment. In his first coming, Jesus took the judgment for man's sin. and his second coming, Jesus will come quickly to judge the living and the dead. The man represents Jesus' humanity. Jesus took on flesh and lived a human life on earth. The lion represents Jesus as king. Oh, he's the king of kings. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And in his second coming, he will rule as king of kings over all the earth. In similar typology, these incense also point us to the message of the four Gospels that present Jesus as the Messiah in Matthew, which would be the lion, the suffering servant in Mark, the ox, fully human in Luke, the man, and fully divine in John, which would be the eagle out of the camp of Reuben. Amen. I found that. I'm like, that's pretty neat. Amen. All right. So once we get into the into the tabernacle, this will be the the edge of the tabernacle. You get to the first thing you come to is the altar of sacrifice. Uh, there was specific uh, 
beasts, animals that you could sacrifice. Each family had to sacrifice an animal. Uh, they would take it, and there was four horns. I didn't put them on here, but four horns on each corner where you would tie and bind the animal up to. Because God forbid, you don't want to get in there and to sacrifice your animal, and he gets up and runs away. And then you're without a sacrifice, or you're looking like a fool running across the desert chasing an animal. Amen. The sacrifice was very important to have. Uh, without that sacrifice, uh, there could be no forgiveness for your sins for that year to be rolled forward. Amen. And all of this will, will play later as we get further down the road. Amen. After the sacrifice, uh, people will go to the brazen laver. I've heard it pronounced laver, lavar. Tomato, tomato, however you pronounce it, it's a it's water. It's where the priest washed after the sacrifice uh, before they could enter into the holy place. Amen. If you look, and once you get washed and you you're done your sacrifice, uh, uh, the priest, the ministry could go into the inner court. They go through the first veil. And into the inner court, only the ministry. And in that, on the right-hand side, should be over here, are the, is the table of showbread. There's 12 loaves of unleavened bread representing the 12 tribes of Israel. The priests were to eat that bread, and it was replaced weekly. Amen. On the other side of the uh, building is the seven golden candlesticks. And it was the only source of light in the inner court. Now, mind you, I, the east side, it pointed, sun rose in the east always, and therefore provided light into the outer court. The inner court only had the seven golden candlesticks for its only source of light. Amen. And it was lit, and it stayed burning. Uh, after they did their rituals and everything that they were supposed to do inside the inner court, they went to the altar of incense, which burned daily, and it represented the praise and worship that they did for God. Uh, there was a gap between the veil of the, that led to the Holy of Holies and the inner court, there was a gap at the top where the incense could flow into, so the so it could go into the holy of holies. Amen. And it, it came in as a sweet savor to the Lord. Uh, that is Second Corinthians two and fifteen. It says, for we are un unto God a sweet savor of Christ in, in them that are saved and in them that perish. Amen. After the incense, after the table of showbread, after the golden can seven golden candlesticks, the high priest only could go behind the veil into the holy of holies. 
I don't know if there was too many people wanting that position. You could be the only one to get close to God. But then if you make a mistake, you'd be the only one to die. So where do you go? Uh, inside, inside the Ark of the Covenant, which we read in detail, uh, held the Ten Commandments, the pot of, golden pot of manna, and Aaron's rod that budded. Amen. All signifying something, which we'll get to a little bit later. Amen. And after the, it put, sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat for the sins of God, accepted the sacrifice and accepted the blood offering, uh, the sins of the Israelite people would be rolled ahead one year. Uh, that way, if they were to die within that year, they would be okay. Amen. Thank God we don't have to sacrifice. I'd have a lot of animals I'd have to kill. Amen. Jumping ahead uh, with the plan, we've Pentecost, or we're at the tabernacle, and now we're moving ahead to the cross. The cross, and God, like I said, typology, the cross fits perfectly. The cross fits perfectly in the tabernacle. Amen. We are to come at the feet of Jesus with our sacrifice, with our offering. An altar of sacrifice. We have to die to sin. or we are, Our sin has to die. Let me, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. We have to sacrifice our sin and our sinful nature. Amen. Without, without this, without sacrifice, we can go no further into the 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 tabernacle to the presence of, toward the presence of God. Amen. The laver fits perfectly where his side was pierced, and the blood and water flowed. Amen. It cleansed. Amen. On his right hand, as you move forward, on his right hand is the table of showbread. John six thirty five. Jesus is the bread of life. Amen. On his left hand would be the seven golden candlesticks. Jesus is the light of the world. John 8 and 12. <laughs> Here's the best one right here. Amen. Once you get into the holy. And then once we get here, we can worship God. We can start worshiping. Get to the Ark of the Covenant. The head of Jesus. Colossians 2 and 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That means in bodily form. Amen. The Ten Commandments, which represented God's law. The golden pot of manna, which represented God's provision. Or Jesus, because he is the bread of life. And Aaron's rod that budded was something supernatural. So you got God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost, all wrapped in bodily form. That excites me. Amen. 
when Jesus was crucified, we know in our reading that a veil was torn from top to bottom, allowing anybody, not just the high priest, anybody. I am a sinner. It allows a drunkard that sits on the bar stool. Allows a prostitute on a street corner. Allows the alcoholic. The drug user. It allows a child that grew up on a Pentecostal pew. We are all sinners. It allows us to complete the steps and enter into God's presence. The Pentecost experience. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repent, sacrifice, baptism, the washing, the blood and water. It washes our sinful nature. Baptism in Jesus' name is the water and blood that flowed from Christ's side. And then you worship. Once you worship God and you submit and you open yourselves, you enter into the Holy of Holies where you dwell with the Lord God Almighty. And you're in God's presence. <laughs> and then the Holy Ghost, when you begin to speak in another tongue, as the Spirit of God gives the utterance, not of man, man can't teach it to you. My friend, then in theory... With God dwelling inside of you, you become the Ark of the Covenant. Amen. And when we can visit the mercy seat. Amen. The Apostle Paul, when he was, he wrote a letter to Galatians. Which I... I had to do some looking. I thought I was totally wrong. I was thinking, where is, Gal where is Galatia at? I thought it was in Greece. It's in Turkey. I was way off. It's, not, it's apparently not too far from Ephesus. I mean, it's uh, actually where Ankara, with the modern capital of Turkey, it's in that region. He wrote a, he wrote a, less, uh, he wrote a letter there. To Galatians, they were already, these people, were, uh, the Galatians were already converted. Uh, and he wrote in chapter 1, verse 6, he said, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. That word pervert means to change. Oh, we know that the apostles' doctrine was changed. People have perverted that gospel. 
So they had already learned the Acts 2.38 message. They were already converted. And he wrote, but though we, talking about though us apostles or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. If anybody, whether it be a man, an angel, bring something to you other than that the apostles have taught you, that man should be cursed. There's religions out there that have gotten their gospel from other people. From an angel. Be careful when an angel brings you a message. Satan's an angel. And it was so important that in verse 9, he said, As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. I looked up that word accursed. Because I wondered exactly what it meant. I had an idea. I wanted to make sure that it was the same in both verses. And it was. It just simply means cursed or under a curse. I don't want to be cursed. So if I don't preach or I don't teach, give a Bible study, talk, this right here, what I have been taught, what Jesus had given, because all this is inspired by God. God said it, man wrote it down. It cannot be changed. You don't add to it. You don't take it away. You can use other versions to get clarification to understand there's there's a plethora of uh, resources out there to break down a word to there's Greek Hebrew dictionaries there's the strong concordance you name it there's a list of things that can break down and help you understand what's written but if you change it, then you're not here anymore. You're not here. You cannot, you can, if you change it, you can still do this. You can still get baptized. Hopefully you do it the right way. The word baptizo, which is the Greek for baptize, means to fully immerse. I'm not going to Sprinkle you with a little bit of water. Pour a cup of water on your head. I'm sorry, when you are baptized, you bury. You bury the sinful nature. You bury the dead man. Amen. If your dog dies, now go out there and dig a hole and just sprinkle a dirt on top of him. Something's going to drag it out. You bury it. You cover it up completely. 
Amen. So we want to cover our dead man completely. And you can even go as far as to here to to try and worship if you don't follow the correct pattern, if you find another gospel. Because if you're going to worship God, was John said, you got to do it and you got to worship him in spirit and in truth. If you get here, it's not a sweet savor. You'll never, you'll never get here. Amen. Because God will reject you. Reject you. He'll reject your praise. He'll reject your sacrifice. Amen. I want to. I want to praise God the correct way. I want to be right. I want to be found acceptable, holy and acceptable unto God. Amen. Uh, I want to have a. Uh, I want to be able to have that uh, a Holy Ghost experience again and again. It can't be just a one-time thing. Because if I go, they went once a year. If I go once a year to this, and I try to go follow their plan, I'm in trouble. There's people that come to church only once a year, twice a year, Christmas and Easter, major holidays. My friend, they're in trouble. Oh, I I pray at home. I'm I'm good. I read my Bible. I pray at home. You got to go to church. This was designed to be the church. Just like now, the outer court, everybody could go to. Think of it like this building. The outer court would be behind those doors. Anybody can go into the outer court. This room here would be where the ministry could go, the inner court. You You wouldn't be able to see through that wall. And then up here, would be where the high priest could go. That's how it's designed. But thank God, <laughs> we're all high priest. We're all high priest. We can go boldly before the throne of God. Amen. Uh, we can take our sacrifice. Uh, Paul said, I die daily. It's a daily sacrifice. Amen. I love Jesus. I love God. I I want to make him proud. And one thing I did another thing I noticed I didn't didn't say uh everything in here the sac the altar and the laver were made of bronze. Everything from the inner court to the holy of holies was made of pure gold. It was special. It was made with the price. All this the altar and labor is a common material. And I don't mean this ugly, but common folk could be around it. The special people, the priesthood, could be around the gold, the things that are special to God. The pure, the precious metals, Amen. Because God found was God found the priesthood special. Everybody's special in God's eyes. 
Amen. There's no big eyes, no little U's. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stay in the truth. Let's get here. Let's get to the Ark of the Covenant where we can sprinkle the blood. Jesus died on the cross, the perfect lamb. Jesus took this place right here. He was our sacrifice. So the blood of him can be sprinkled on the mercy seat when we stand before God in judgment. <laughs> and our Holy Ghost bears witness. Judgment's poured out. Hold up. My blood will sprinkle the mercy seat for him. My blood's on him. There are no sins. Look, the pages are white. Blood-stained pages. It's an old song. Stained by blood that was shed for me. Amen. I thank God for mercy. Amen. If we can all stand.